Section 16 of Editorials of the Dial Magazine, Volume 66. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. National prohibition may have been dictated by political, social, moral, and economic considerations, overwhelming in their combination. At the same time, it would be folly to deny that the gain in the easier functioning of world machinery has involved some losses. Morally, for example, the curse of strong drink is one of the primitive enemies that have beset mankind, like the forces of nature itself, and the struggle against it has called into existence individual qualities of initiative, energy, persistence, and adroitness, which now it is to be feared will be diverted from the assault against demon rum to an alliance enabling him to make a diminished stand against extinction. The moral life as affected by alcohol will be so thoroughly guarded by state control that all the lure of adventure and the chivalry of the lost cause will pass to the other side. No less will there be occasion to mark the loss to civilization through the banishment of one of the elements of culture, an element, be it noted, that alone saves one of the five senses for the higher uses of life, that which distinguishes the nobler from the baser senses is doubtless their capacity for refinement, for being educated to keenness of perception and discrimination. Now wine, it is fair to say, is the only medium capable of affording this training and refinement to the sense of taste. It is true that there is tea, which fulfills the same function for the Oriental, and one recalls the story of a forest stranger who could distinguish among eleven morsels of venison the part of the animal from which each was taken. But in the long run it is only alcohol that appeals to the taste of the Occidental in sufficiently exciting form to constitute a motive and an end to intensive cultivation. And this culture has its phases, pure, ornate, grotesque. The taste of the amateur of vintage wines represents the classical phase, the morbid fantasy of the connoisseur of liqueurs and the inventor of Pousse Cafés marks the grotesque. It was the hero of A. Rebours who invented for himself an organ of which the notes were liqueurs to be discharged in drops against his palate like musical notes against his eardrums, and from which he drew palatial symphonies, pastoral and military, humorous, passionate, and pathetic. This may represent a degree of organization of the sense of taste unthinkable to the ordinary mind but the reinforcement of other senses, especially herein, afforded by that of taste, is within the experience of all of us. There is a divine congruity between Mozart's symphonies and thin clear Moselle wine. Beethoven takes on a lambent glow in conjunction with Burgundy, and the degustation of Wagner is powerfully aided by Munich beer. The direct contribution of wine to artistic composition especially to poetry, need not be dwelt upon. From Anacreon to W. E. Henley, wine has been one of the Catholic sources of inspiration to the poetry of pleasure. But this is, after all, an ancillary service. The highest value of the alcoholic beverage to our civilized life is in the possibility of raising a whole sense from its lowliest position as a source of crude pleasure to a function of high discrimination and critical penetration, in short, to a rank with the census which furnished the basis of the fine arts and the material of culture. End of section 16